This is Andy Steiger. Welcome to the AC Podcast. On this podcast, we want to help you to understand and speak the language of our culture and to address questions being asked with intellectual honesty, gentleness, and respect. I have a special guest with me today, Jonathan Rumi. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Andy. Pleasure to be here. So, Jonathan, you play Jesus on a new miniseries that has just launched called The Chosen. And this thing is incredible. First of all, this is the first ever multi-series about Jesus that's been done. It is crowdfunded, and in fact, is the number one highest crowdfunded project of, of all time, from my understanding. Now, season one has just launched. There's eight episodes. It is currently being translated into 70 languages. And what I think is most amazing of all, man, is that this is a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. That, wow, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah, it's kind of blown us away. Um, so many people have just really come to this project with an openness and uh, a love for it that we we had only hoped for, you know. Uh, but I think there's something there, and and those of us who are believers just mm-hmm. attribute it to, you know, as the as the grace of the the Holy Spirit, the the touching the spirit that's on the uh, the project and on the writers and the creators and everybody involved in some way that has allowed it to be um, as well received and. Uh, I think is universally understood by um, people in every country all over the world. It's been downloaded in every country. It's being translated to 70 languages uh, as we speak, as you mentioned. And so uh, the, the message is, is I think, timeless, uh, which is what gives it such an appeal. Uh, and also it's, um, you know, the fact that it's a presentation that's never really been done before. You've never really gotten to see what Jesus's life was like as a divine human on this earth, living in community with people, with family, with friends. And it's allowed uh, this sense of uh, intimacy that that we haven't really seen on film before. So it's been quite extraordinary. There's a lot there that I want to talk about. I mean, you're right. This is very unique in its presentation of Jesus in that it humanizes Jesus. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about that, I don't know if those that connected us together informed you, but one of the ideas of us getting together and talking is because I have a book coming out with Zondervan in September called Reclaimed, How Jesus Restores Our Humanity in a Dehumanized World. And, wow. you know, given the humanizing aspect of this series and the work that I've, I've been doing, I was like, man, we have, we've got to talk because this, <laughs> this series does such an, an incredible job. And I got to be honest with you. I saw the trailers, I saw the promotions that were on Facebook, and, and I thought for a while there, you know, should I or shouldn't I watch it? <laughs> like, am I going to commit to several hours that I may not get back? <laughs> exactly. And to be fair, you know, Christian shows, movies don't have a great reputation. They really don't. Oh, yeah. And sometimes the, the, the quality is just not there. So I have to ask, like, is, was there a part of you even that was like, oh, man, I, I don't want to let people down? I don't want to screw this up. Did you feel that at all as you guys were going into this? Because again, if people haven't seen it, you guys did an incredible job. I was so thankful I watched it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for those kind words, Andy. Um, Yeah, I mean, 
this specific project was a little different for me personally because I've had a pre-existing relationship with the director, Dallas Jenkins, the creator, director, writer, Dallas Jenkins, now for six years, over six years. Um, so just to state that part, um, I trusted him completely. I was already aware of his capabilities as a writer, his talents as a director. And so I had no qualms about it whatsoever. And then once I saw the scripts, like I, you know, I saw, I, I accepted the job, the series without needing to see a script because I trusted him implicitly. But that was because our first job together, the previous six years ago was for a short film for his uh, church's Easter service in, in Chicago where uh, he's evangelical. And so what part of their Easter service or their Good Friday service was uh, essentially a, a combination of media, uh, scripture, um, preaching, and they would show a film that was related to the topic of Good Friday. And so the film that we did, I got cast here in Los Angeles to do this film called The Two Thieves, which was a sort of a, an extra biblical posit on what the, the, two, the background of The Two Thieves could have been like plausibly how they got to be where they were and how the penitent thief goes from this state of just reviling and, and being essentially a lifelong criminal uh, to this moment of conversion right on the cross. It's like, well, how does that man go from being bitter and you know done with the world to all of a sudden now defending Jesus on the cross in the span of a few lines? And when you watch the film, you see how Dallas handles that bit of scripture and you're like wow, I get that actually yeah maybe that could have happened and it was so beautifully written and so well done and Dallas just has such a heart for Christ that uh, I just I mean we were instantly brothers you know uh, when, after that project and so I did two more films with him in the next over the next three years after that and um, you know when he called me up and said hey it looks like we're going to be doing a series you feel like putting the sandals back on. And I said, just let me know where to show up. So, so I didn't have any apprehension really at that point. He already had your trust. Uh, oh yeah. 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 Years done. before. So one thing I did want to mention is that to your point, there's a lot of Christian material out there and projects that are floating around that are not of the same caliber. And this is, I'm actually going to be talking about this at a um, PodFest in August, which is, I think, sort of a virtual conference of, of podcasters uh, about this very topic of why, why it's important that Christian media have as high a level of quality of any other Hollywood project out there, if not more so. Are we not called even more so to bring the best of what we have in service to God to the world in order to be effective apostles using the gifts and talents we've been given? And I think too many projects try to get by on the fact that like, well, it's about God and it's about Jesus and we're telling people to read the Bible and that's enough. And it's like, no, that's ruining an entire genre. It's giving it such a bad name. It's making it laughable. So that's why, like you, you yourself, like when you know when you have a hesitance to see, like, oh, should I look at it? Should I watch it? Because you've sat through so many of them, where it's just like, oh, really? Okay, I get what you're trying to say. I appreciate your heart behind it, but I don't feel the truth of it. I feel like I'm being preached to, and not even preached well to. You know, so 
that's what's been so beautiful about this is that it's just kind of blown the doors off of people's expectations of what it means to see a faith-based film. And you want something that's quality so that the content's not lost, right? But what I love right. about this series is that the quality is there and the effort has been put in and the content is on point. And, and I want to get to that in a moment. But before we do, the series humanizes Jesus. I want to take a moment to humanize you. Mm. So, you know, if you could just share with us just a little bit about yourself, you know, are you married? Do you have kids? Do you have a dog, maybe a cat? Tell me a little bit about yourself. And I've got a couple other questions for you. <laughs> sure. Um, so uh, I live here in Los Angeles. Uh, I live in a little studio in, in the center of Los Angeles. Um, uh, we don't allow pets in the building, so I don't have any animals which is fine because I'm traveling a lot. So it's just one less responsibility I have to worry about. I'm currently single. I'm not necessarily looking for relationships. I guess if I want to get really specific right now, because of everything that's going on, I just, I don't know that I could even focus on that. Um, God sort of brought me to this place where it's like, this is my relationship right now, my relationship to him, my relationship to my work, my focus on building um, a sort of a media apostolate, as Dr. Scott Hahn so lovingly referred to it as, which I uh, gleefully name dropped because I'm, I'm such a huge fan of his. And I, I got a chance to talk to him because he's a fan of The Chosen. He said, you used that phrase. And I had never, I'd never really even heard that phrase. And I said, ah, you know, that actually, that fits exactly what it is that's in why well, I feel God's put in my heart to do is to, to do that. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, uh, you know, I grew up in New York city. Um, I came out to LA about 10 years ago. I've been an artist since in some form or another, since I'm about five years old, I started drawing and painting as a, as a child and I became a musician for a while. And, uh, when I went to college university, I, I had, um, options to become an illustrator based on a portfolio that I submitted uh, or try my hand at film. And my reasoning was that I always, I'll always be able to draw in some form and have that for myself. And I didn't want to have the joy of that robbed from me, so to speak in my brain, uh, if I had to have like deadlines to draw. So I just decided to try something different. And I went and studied film. I got a degree in film. Uh, shortly after that, I started working in the film industry on the production side. I was a, uh, a PA, production assistant, and then I started working in art department. Um, so I did, um, I was what they call a set decorator, which is like when you have a set and you've got all the stuff on the wall or the furniture or the, or the really cool set pieces, that's part of the um, the set. The, the art department has the set decorating department that decorates a set. And so I did that. I built sets for a while, and then I became a location scout. If you find me on imdb.com, you'll see all of the movies and TV shows I worked on as a, uh, a location scout, a location manager, and, and really was kind of finding my my voice. Literally, I started doing voiceover uh, when I was uh, a location assistant and a location scout because I, I always had a knack for accents and impressions. So I started um, reaching out. I reached out to this one casting director for MTV for a show called Celebrity Deathmatch, uh, which in the um, late 90s, early 2000s, was a, a clay animated show where the celebrities fought each other to the death in a ring. If you're, I don't know if you're I, I remember. I you remember. do, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, so uh, I started doing that show. I did that for a few seasons, and that kind of led to 
on-camera opportunities, commercials and then TV shows and some little parts in bigger films. And by that point, after about uh, eight or nine years in New York, especially after the uh, financial collapse, um, I realized that uh, I needed a reset. I needed to try something different and see if I really had what it takes to go for the gold and, and, and move out to uh, the epicenter of it all here in Los Angeles. And I came out here and it's been a struggle. Um, and, uh, you know, what do you, what do you mean it's been a struggle? I mean, uh, you know, being an artist, being an actor, trying to do that for a living is is not an easy thing to do. If anybody that might be watching this in college age or teenagers like wants to be an artist, you just have to know that you should be completely prepared to put in at least 10 to 15 years before you really start seeing some substantial movement in your career. Like getting the jobs that you, the shows that you watch that you want to be on, like to get to that level. Um, and I'm not saying it's impossible. Like if you're extremely talented, if you are very fortunate to have the right people sending you out on auditions, if you've got a bit of grace or luck or whatever you want to call it to help you along, you could get a shot really early. And then it's about maintaining that. And if you're trained, you know, yeah, you could, it could, end up happening much sooner than that but i was a location scout on a movie called um analyze this and the director was the legendary harold ramus who uh for those who saw the original ghostbusters movie he was the original egon spengler he also did like uh, animal house and and uh a caddyshack and uh, i think a, a few of those films like he was a brilliant writer brilliant comedic writer and so uh he i got to actually i did two films with him analyze this and analyze that and uh, I got to know him a little bit and I was just starting to do voiceover work. And uh, I said, you know, I think I might have a, a thing for acting, and but I'm not quite sure. And he's like, well, just remember that it takes 15 years to be an overnight success or 20, depending on who you talk to. And I thought, oh, my gosh, 15 years. I said, nah, not me, though. You know, so, I mean, you just you automatically assume that that advice is for everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I'm then, the exception to that. 15 years goes by you're like son of a gun he was right it's actually <laughs> about 15 years and when and my caveat is that when you switch cities that clock resets so now i've kind of it's like been an amalgam of the two so it was eight years before i got my first lead on the series the chosen here in la but i was already at it for about seven eight years in new york so he was pretty much guy rest his soul he was pretty much spot on with that advice so let me ask you, in your acting, you know, and, and as you're getting into it and you're developing your craft, did you watch your early work? Have you watched the series, The Chosen? <laughs> Lord, no. <laughs> no, no, I don't watch any of my older, especially the older stuff. It's hard to look at. Um, going I saw an into episode this... of you on The Mindy Show that I thought was, oh. quite, that was quite funny. <laughs> Thank and, you. And um, The Good Wife as well. That was quite well done. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. The stuff in the recent past, I'm okay with. The stuff like in New York, I was just learning. I, I, and I'm still learning. I'm not, I'm, I'm not where I want to be as an artist yet. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I, For me, I have a long way to go. I'm just figuring this out now. And I'm so thankful to God that I've got an opportunity to do so. And I'm like, have you each, seen the show The Chosen? 
I have. <laughs> yeah, I've I, I've been able to watch that. It's strange. I because I love the show for the story. I can actually watch the show and not see myself, which is odd because usually it's not the case. This is one of those things by some weird coincidence. Like I can sort of look at that as like the character of Jesus with these other characters and separated from the actors that I'm friends with and that I know and myself, which uh, every so often they'll be like, ah, man, I wish I used a different take, but that's true of anything that you do as an actor. So I, I want to get into the, the actual show, but before we do, I got to ask you one more question. And I, know, and I know this could go really deep, but we only have limited amount of time. So maybe just give mm. me in a nutshell. Um, and I know this, this, <laughs> this is a big question to ask that of, but your own story with Jesus. Well, I was baptized Catholic. I, I'm sorry. It's not true at all. I was baptized Greek Orthodox. And my family is, is Greek Orthodox. My dad's Greek Orthodox. My mother's Roman Catholic. But my dad grew up in metropolitan Cairo in Egypt. Egypt is a mostly Islamic country. So he, he went to Catholic school because he was Christian. If you were Christian, you went to Catholic school uh, and studied with French brothers. And so he, he grew up with Catholicism in his home. When we were born, my parents went to Orthodox Church. And then when we were born, my sisters and I, we were baptized Orthodox. And then we moved to the suburbs, out of New York City, to the suburbs of New York. And there weren't really any Greek Orthodox communities there that were easy to find. So my dad was just so comfortable with Catholicism because he grew up with it. And my mother was Catholic by birth and the way she was raised, that we just started going to a Catholic church down the street. And so it made it pretty easy. So I grew up with Catholicism. Um, like most people, uh, most young men living in the city and like, you know, in, in your 20s and 30s, you're... I think uh, some people test the boundaries of what their faith means to them more than others. I always had my faith, but it wasn't where it is now. And where it is now was a result of being in LA for eight years, struggling as an artist, waking up on a Saturday morning in May with um, $20 in my pocket, no food in my apartment and overdrawn on my checking account by 80 bucks and not having a single solitary check coming in for the foreseeable future, despite the fact that I was juggling seven different part-time jobs. I couldn't understand the math. And it was literally like a plea to God, you know, after several years here of saying like, look, if this is not what I should be doing, just show me another way. I'm open to it. And nothing hit me. And finally, I got to this place where I was literally on my knees and I was just like, you know what, if this is what I'm supposed to be doing, you got to step in because I've done everything that I can and I'm still struggling terribly and I don't have any food in, in my apartment. And I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent and how I'm going to buy groceries. So, you know what, I'm just going to put everything on you now, God, and you got to show up because I can't, I've, I've got nothing left. So. I'm going to give it all to you. I surrender. White flag. And that afternoon, I got three checks in my mailbox that figured out my bills for the rest of the month. I got another check a week later that was the equivalent of the three that I had that day, that I received that day. But that afternoon, 
everything just turned around because it was literally like the penny dropped that when I had completely surrendered to God and said, it's on you now. I give everything to you. You let me know how you want this to work out. And he said, okay, you, you ready for me to step in? All right, get out the way. And here you go. It's interesting that openness then to God's leading in this craft of acting and being willing to go where, where God's leading even in, the, in this, you know, because there's a lot of people yeah. that might get into acting and be like, oh, I'm only going to go in this direction or that direction. But I, I sense in you just a real openness. God, I'm going to, I'm going to go where you, where you're going to, where you're going to leave. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. And that was true with my career as well. Like when I said, when I surrendered, I surrendered everything. It wasn't like, all right, give me a job, but I'm really going to go do this thing that I want to do. When I stopped trying to take control of the reins, that's when he's just like, I got your attention now, but he had to bring me to my knees to do it. Andy, he had to show me that I needed to depend fully on him. Paul talks about this, you know, the thorn in Paul's side was not removed because it's when we're the most weak, when we need God the most, when we're in the most pain is when we, he can do the greatest good for us. We depend on him. We depend on him to show up. We need him to be there to help us through this. That's when we need him the most. So he doesn't remove the thorn. He leaves it there until we say, you take this, God. I think it's so interesting to hear your story and of how you came to acting and how God now is using this craft that you have honed for years and, and is using it for the kingdom. And, and clearly that is taking place in this, this, uh, this series, The Chosen. As we mentioned at the beginning, and I want to get into now, there is this humanizing aspect of the work you're doing that, that is really phenomenal. And one of the things hit me as a pastor and as an author, I really realized as I was watching this, that there is a level of communication that takes place through acting that, that you just cannot get through a sermon or through a book that honestly, uh, Jonathan captured me. And I remember there was this moment I'm, I'm watching uh, the show and my son, Tristan looks over at me and he goes, dad, are you crying? Are, are there tears in your eyes? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. You know. No, son, no, I just got a little dust. Got in my, uh... just, just a dusty room. You know, but no, honestly, and I, I just was like, yeah, I'm crying. And I want to tell you one of the scenes that, that I wept like a newborn baby. Mm-hmm. And, and I just love to hear your thoughts on this. The miracle of changing water into wine at this yes. wedding in Cana. It was interesting, you know, I, having read this passage numerous times, something hit me afresh that I had never realized before, that this miracle that Jesus is about to do is this first public miracle. And it's his mom that asks him to do it. As the scene develops, you really get this sense of Jesus's humanity in that it's Mm. his earthly mother asking him to do this miracle. That's right. And his divinity as he as he's relying on his heavenly father, both of whom he loves. And and it's in that love for both his mom and his dad, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. His earthly mother and his heavenly father that he steps into ministry. And, and I got to tell you, man, there's this moment at the end where Mary looks over, you know, at Jesus, you know, looks over at you and she mouths the words, thank you to you, you know, across the room. 
and you have this look with her. And and I'm just I'm just tearing up, man, <laughs> even now as I think about it, you know. As yeah. as you see, you know, Jesus loved his mom. And it's this love for his mother as he steps into ministry. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it's that's one of my favorite scenes as well. Um and the relationship that Dallas explores with Mother Mary and, and Jesus is it's so powerful. And I think that relationship is often so underrated. And I think you, you kind of captured it perfectly with Jesus is with Mary as his mom and God as his dad, like God is family. God is the epitome of family. Amen. Um, and then that's mirrored on earth through marriage, right. And having children. And, um, and I think when we really consider like the weight of how that miracle came to be, just like, wow, what does that say about Mary's place in Jesus's life is that he revered his mother. It's like, you know, he wasn't ready to do the miracle, but at his mom's urging and then like, yeah, yeah, do, do whatever he says. He's like, ah, wow. He's like, he can't (laughs) say no to his mother. Jesus can't say no to his mother, you know? Um, And as a Catholic, that's something that we, the whole world of intercessory prayer and what St. Paul talks about the cloud of witnesses, that specific example is what Catholics draw from as the reason for Mary's ability to intercede for us. Well, if, if she can get Jesus to do this and the saints and the cloud of witnesses are alive and, pe- and God is alive now, this very moment in heaven, like what does that say about what, how effective our prayers are? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That it's alive, you know, and that's, and, uh, and so the fact that we were able to really capture that, I mean, Dallas just did then as writers, they just, you know, Ryan and um, they just did such a, uh, a wonderful job really just painting that scene for, for us for this uh, episode. They did, but, but you did a great job acting it. And in particular, my sister asked me, she said, Andy, you've got to ask Jonathan this. <laughs> my sister's an actor and she, she's a great actor. She, you know, she did plays and whatnot back. Oh, then. wonderful. And she said, uh, she said this, she said, he's a fantastic actor because most actors want a well-written script to portray their character. He doesn't need that. Uh, he doesn't need words. He's using his eyes to say it all. And I've heard that from a number of people that mm-hmm. oftentimes it's the look and it's your eyes that are conveying so much. In fact, in, in episode eight, you know, as you're interacting with this Samaritan woman, you know, you're tearing up and it, it conveys such a powerful message. I, I want to know from you, like, where where are you going as an actor to do that? Help me to understand the process that you're working through. Because I mean, this is a this is a big ask, right? Hey, could you play Jesus? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably the biggest ask I'll ever get in my life. So, <laughs> so, uh, so I'm just trying so not to you... screw it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, listeners. This is Andy Steiger. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to the AC podcast and to let you know that my new book, Reclaimed, How Jesus Restores Our Humanity in a Dehumanized World, is now available for pre-order. As a special thanks for pre-ordering the book, we are giving away a reader's guide, a free copy of the award-winning Human Project video series with a bonus video, and an invitation to join me for a special Zoom call where I will be teaching on the content of the book and answering questions. To redeem these, simply email your receipt number to info at apologeticscanada.com. Pre-order your copy today. In fact, if you pre-order it, it is currently 30% off at churchsource.com or christianbook.com. Of course, you can always buy it on Amazon. The book ships September 1st. 
And now back to my interview with Jonathan Rumi. Um, you know, for me, as process, uh, it all starts with prayer and um, humility and knowing that I don't have, I am so far from Jesus in character as a human, as a broken individual, like, how do you even begin to try and wrap your head around the idea of playing the perfect sinless son of God? And you don't, you, you all, so all I can do is bring my own humanity and my understanding of the greatest qualities that Jesus would possess as a human in his interaction with other humans, love, compassion, kindness, forgiveness, empathy. And then to heighten those to the best of my limited ability as an actor and really try to make people feel this sense of what I'm trying to feel as an actor, which is like how much love would Christ have had for any and every one of these people that he's come into contact with, whose hearts are open, who are wounded, who are in need of forgiveness, who, who think they're not worthy enough, but just to communicate their importance to him as a child of God. How do I do that? And the only thing that I can come up with is to just amplify those traits that I described, which is trying to have the most loving, compassionate, empathetic, forgiving interactions with these people as best I can. And then offset, when I'm not working, still trying to maintain that. I'll go to mass, I'll go to church, I'll receive the Eucharist, I'll derive the source and strength of God's power in that sacrament before I start filming. And I'll often be meditating and praying on set. And I've got a little leather pouch that Jesus wears and I keep all my little accoutrement in there and, and uh, just constantly trying to pray when I'm not trying to memorize more lines and really just bring that sense of love and peace to the set. And then to the scenes. And then in that, that is one of my top three favorite scenes because I, I, for me, it was really trying to encapsulate the idea of like what this poor woman must have gone through in her life and, and just give it my best shot as to how Jesus may have handled the situation and how he would have handled her with such kindness and care. Was there freedom on the set to explore that or? Did you ever have a moment where they wanted you to go in one direction? You're like, no, I really think we should go in this other direction. Or were you guys all on the same page? Dallas and I have a bit of a shorthand. And if there's anything major to talk through ahead of time, we'll usually discuss it and then bring it up there. But I think he trusts me as much as I trust him. And he'll allow me to maybe react to certain things that might not be scripted. And usually, I mean, it's it'll be within the context, it'll be in character and it'll make sense. And I try to, you know, make it fit for whatever it is. For instance, there was a level of um, emotionality in uh, episode three with the children, where Jesus is listening to the children praying the Shema, the, uh, the prayer, the foundational prayer of the Jewish uh, religion. And it was emotional for me imagining what it might have been like for God to hear this foundational prayer of reverence and worship from these most 
pure little souls before the world had corrupted them. And just the kind of love that that must have filled him with to know that like, here he is, this is his creation right now, praising and worshiping him before humanity and the enemy has their chance to uh, corrupt them in some way. But that that emotional response wasn't in the script originally. Um, it made sense. And so there was never like, can you do it without the emotion? Because it's like, well, how would you, you know, like there was no, fortunately, I think there was no challenge to whether or not that worked for the scene. So uh, luckily it worked for the scene and he, uh, he kept it. You know, there's something profoundly <laughs> Christian about imitating Christ in this way, you know, acting mm. as Jesus in the thoughts of what what would Jesus do in this situation? How would he act in, in seeking to have that heart? It seems to me that you can't play a role like this without it profoundly challenging you and deepening your devotional life. A thousand percent, a thousand percent. Um, it's been... Uh, profoundly impactful for me uh it's deepened my walk with christ on levels that i never anticipated uh it doing you know like once (laughs) once i surrendered that day that morning saturday morning in may it was about three months later that i was officially booked on the chosen my life has not been the same since Uh, my spiritual life has certainly been different my relationships are you know um the you know even the exploration of relationships has been completely different um my priorities have shifted towards god and um if you said to me like hey listen you know a year from now you're going to be praying the rosary several times a day i'm like be be lucky if you get me to finish it once you know or just having my thought process be so imbued with what it means to walk with christ and trying to better myself as a man of God, I would have thought maybe, but then to actually see how it's taken shape and and root in my life has just been, uh, it's been wild, man. It's kind of been, been, (laughs) yeah, I just, I, I, I'm at a loss of words still for it, you know, because it's a work in progress. You know, I feel, I feel like it's, it's an evolving thing still. So I I don't know where it's going to get to. I have, I've been dreaming a lot about being in the priesthood. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I said, I have no designs right now. I'm, you know, I'm very content being a person who can reach people in this way. I think I have a different kind of a reach than an ordained person would. I don't think I could do what you do as a pastor or as somebody in, with any kind of ordination. But again, I'm not saying no, I'm just... I don't know how that would work at this point in my life, but anything can can happen. Well, hey, I want to encourage you that the work you are doing is is incredible. I've heard from so many that have been blessed by this show. And I can't help but think, given all that's going on in our culture today, there is a soul hunger in people for a humanized Jesus, a Jesus mm. that people can relate to. And in fact, one of my one of my friends uh, told me that she she loved the sh- loves the show and said it was the first time I realized he was a real guy. Now this is coming from a Christian, a committed Christian, but wow. but you know when you isn't see, that amazing? It is. It is when you see Jesus and his disciples humanized in that way. She goes, I, I realize that you know that he's like a friend, he's a son, and people are able to connect 
with the story. Like I said, in a way that I think other modes of communication just can't fully communicate, but mm. is currently being communicated through The Chosen, through the series. I am so thankful for it. It ministered to me. And, and, oh, and praise God. Pleasure to chat with you today. Let us know where are things going now. Now this is free, by the way. If you haven't seen it, you can go watch yes. it. You can watch it on YouTube. You can download the app, and it, and it's free. Now you guys are asking that people pay it forward. So Correct. so what does that mean, and where are things at? So if you download the app, that's the best way to get all chosen related content, the updates, things like that. Uh, if you go to the Google Play or the App Store, you can download the app. It's free to download. And then you can watch the series for free. And what we're asking uh, is that if you're impacted by it somehow or you feel that you want other people to watch it and you want to now own the show for, I think, 15 bucks, you can have access to the entire series all the time. And then you help 10 other people somewhere in the world watch the show for free because streaming costs money. So the reason why you can download the app and watch it for free is because somebody's already paid it forward. They put money down, whether it's 15 bucks, whether it's 1500 bucks, somebody's put down money for these streams to be made free to everybody else in the world. And through that process, um, we have raised, I think, over five or six million dollars at this point for season two. So it's all been crowdfunded. You know, the first season was completely crowdfunded in a different way. This is uh, being paid forward by people buying episodes, buying DVDs, um, any of the merchandise, uh, thechosenmerch.com. You can get some pretty cool swag that all goes towards funding season two. So we're five episodes funded out of eight for season two. And this Thursday, actually, I don't know when this is going to come out, but so Thursday at uh, about, I think, five or between five and six p.m. Pacific time. Dallas is going to uh, have a live stream that will give all the updates as to what's going on with season two. I think we'll have some solid idea as to a timeline as to when we may start filming again, what state we're at with the fundraising, what location we may be using for the uh, season two and beyond. I know they want, they've been looking for locations that could suffice for the next several seasons. So I think we'll get a lot of information on Thursday afternoon, and you might just see a familiar face pop up in the live stream. Maybe somebody that plays Jesus. I don't know. So, <laughs> uh, right so yeah, so that's that's what you can do. So yeah, go to the, the chosen.tv slash app uh, to get the app if you're on a computer, uh, or just go to the App Store, Google Play, downloaded for free and uh, and then you have all this extra bonus content there's biblical roundtables with uh, a priest uh, a minister and a rabbi and all these cool behind the scenes videos and stuff so it was interesting i told my mom i said mom you've got to watch this show you'll love it and uh, <laughs> and so she she watched it and then we were talking about it the other day and and i said so are you going to give to it and she's like are you kidding me she's like i've already paid it forward she's like she oh she, she loves it yeah, I loved the show and loved all that extra content. Again, oh, cool. I would just encourage you listeners to check it out. The Chosen, it's free. Watch it today. And we look forward to season two. You've done a great job, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank, for, you, thank you for this ministry. And I look oh, forward to you, following you on this journey. Thank you. Pray for me, man. And uh, I will keep your ministry in my in my prayers as well, man. We're all, you know, we, we need... Um, 
we really need unity now more than ever as Christians and uh, brothers and sisters in Christ and the Lord. And, and let's just keep praying for each other and, and uh, the light will eke out the darkness. I think that would be a fitting way to, to close our, our podcast. Let me, let me pray for you. Please. Uh, Lord, I just want to thank you for this series, The Chosen, and I just pray your richest blessing over it. God, we pray that you would use it as it's being translated into 70 languages, and we pray more to come. I pray that many, many would see it and would come to see you clearly and that it would be used in a powerful way as they come into relationship with you. God, I thank you for Jonathan. I thank you for how you've crafted him and how you've been working in him for this role that he was faithful to take and is giving all that he has and is doing a great job. And I just pray you just bless him in it. Lord, what a ministry to humanize your earthly ministry in a way that I think is just so needed in our culture today. And as Jonathan said, God, we pray that it would unite and that it would be powerfully received by your Holy Spirit into the building of your kingdom, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And Father God, I want to thank you for Andy and his ministry. And may he always seek to lead people towards you as he is doing and and spreading the news of your gospel and uh, being such a light in the world right now. We need him and brothers like him to continue to proclaim the word with faith and and uh, uh, strength and and confidence. And uh, I'm just so grateful, Father, for the opportunity to be here on his show today, to be able to pray with him and to talk to him and uh, bless him and his family. Keep him safe. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, Jonathan, before I, I let you go, I have to ask you a quick question, man. Sure. In the show, you speak Egyptian or Demotic. Okay, first of all, what language mm-hmm. was that? And how did you how did you do that? Like that was impressive. You were absolutely correct. It is Demotic Egyptian. It is first century reconstructed Egyptian. Arabic did not enter Egypt until the seventh century with the Arab conquest. So good on you for getting that right. Um, my friend uh, Father Bill Fulco, Father William Fulco was the translator, historian, archaeologist, theologian, reference manual for the Passion of the Christ. He did all the Aramaic translations for the Passion of the Christ. So when it came time to do this particular line, uh, Dallas asked me what the language was. And I said, I think it's Arabic, but I, I didn't realize. I'm like, oh, wait a second, this is first century. So I went to Father Bill. Father Bill said, well, give me a couple of days. And he translated this section, that those lines himself from scratch, just because he wanted the challenge. And so that is pretty much an authentic translation of what that language might have sounded like for the first century. So I'm truly grateful to him. He's also the one who taught me um, the, the first century Aramaic version of the Our Father as well, which uh, is floating around on a couple of places on the internet. How long did it take you to memorize that? Uh, not too long, probably about, uh, an hour or so. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. That's Yeah. Do you want me to say it? I want to hear it. Do you still have it? It's still in there. Oh, of course. I, I often pray it myself. Oh, Uh, all right. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Abundibashmaya. Neskadashma. Tese Malkusak, 
nehoe sevianak, aikan de bashmaya, afbara, lachman de sunkananyamana, havlan yomadein, washbuklan, havine akana, dafhanan shbuka lachaivine, ulo elan lanesiana, lachaina tsaelan minbisha. Amen.